Hello there, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. Also remember my wife and myself for Quality of Life Grace Teaching Ministries over on Facebook. If you're there, come on over and join us for free Grace Teaching. Remember, we're always a free Grace Teaching uh, ministry, so we just welcome your comments and your prayer requests, and we're more than willing to uh, add those to our prayers. But uh, we're going to do a, a teaching. We're doing a teaching today, and it's... Uh, it's called uh, God's will is not a doo-doo. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, there's many of us that grew up and uh, we were raised in the church. And they said you had to find God's will for your life. Or you had to pray to seek out the Lord and get direction. And uh, find God's perfect will for your life. You know, uh, in your relationships, in your jobs, in what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. And, uh, you know, how to act. And, you know, and, and what happens is when we're taught that God's will is something you need to chase after or do or maintain, it, all the focus is on you performing. And remember, folks. God's will is a person. It's Christ. And if you're in Christ, you are in God's perfect will. And to do God's will is to trust him, to do his will through you. See, we don't have to die to self in order for Christ to live through us. What we do in him because we're one spirit with him, is trust him as our life. John 15, 5 tells us Jesus gave us a need for dependency on him. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so what's happening here as we trust Christ to produce his character, he's going to produce his character through us. All we do is trust him. Remember to abide, folks, is not a work as well. It's something we just, we live in him. That word abide means to abode or to live in. We live in him. He lives in us. So it's not a to-do. Remember, grace is not a to-do. It's a trust, okay? And so we're going to talk a little bit about guidance and how the Lord guides us. You know, to get in the right job, to be in the right relationships, and, uh, you know, to act right. And we're going to see what the uh, actual word for guidance actually means. I want to go, I want you to go to 1 John 2.27 and take a look at this. It says, but you have received the Spirit of God. He continues to live in you. God's Spirit teaches you about everything. What he says is true. He doesn't lie. So remain joined to Christ just as you have been taught by the Spirit. And so, folks, guidance, actually, you know, we're praying for guidance. Like I mentioned, we're praying for guidance. Lord, guide me, you know, in, in all my choices today and in my decision-making and, and uh, you know, my relationships guide me to do the right things and what we're forgetting is guidance actually in the Greek language it actually means to teach 
And so the Holy Spirit is in the body of Christ teaching us all the time. All the time. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, just one of the roles. But the Spirit of God is in us teaching us everything we need to know. That's what it means to guide us. Okay, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do is teach us how to live from the life-giving Spirit of Christ. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to teach us how to trust Christ and to live from his Spirit. See, it's not a try. It's not a do-do. It's a trust. Okay? And so we all ask God for guidance. Okay? We all do, but to be guided, remember, it's to be taught by the Spirit of God in us, okay? So next time we ask for guidance, remember, what we're asking the Spirit of God is to just teach us, you see. That's what we're doing. And the Holy Spirit will teach us everything we need to know. Remember, folks, the New Covenant is not just a celebration of the birth of Jesus, Jesus died for us so he could give his life to us, so he could transmit his life through us. And so, his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus was born to die and give his life for us. He didn't come into our life. We were spiritually dead. We were united into him, made alive by his very life. So, this life now in us is transmitted through us as we trust him. And so remember, it's a participation. Okay? It's a participation. Whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay? And I'm going to take a look at the, the Greek word for direct. It actually means to go in a direct straight course, avoiding all unnecessary delays without any undue loss of time. Or achievement. One thing you'll notice about the Spirit of God in us is, you know, when you go to look back, when your mind goes to the past, the, the Spirit of God will teach you, as he taught me, don't go back there. Everybody has regret there. And the problem is when your mind goes to the past, you have to bring it back. Okay? Bring it back to the moment on Christ because... Our emotions travel where our mind goes. And if your mind is always going to the past, like mine does on occasion, your emotions go there too. And now you're involved in beating yourself up, and you're focused on the bad things you did, and you kind of feel bad, and, you're, and you find yourself self-condemning yourself, and it's just a no-hoper. So that's one of the neat things about the Lord directing our steps. And uh, that's what it means, is to be taught by the Spirit of God in us. Okay, so we want to stay in the moment and go forward. You know, we don't live in the past. We're not in the future yet. Jesus will never say, I will be, or I was. He says, I am. He's a very present help in trouble. Okay, Proverbs 20, verse 24 tells us this. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Now, I want you to take a look at that because there's another proverb that you're probably very familiar with, and it's Proverbs 3.5, which says, If you trust in the Lord, 
then he will, you know, and, and you lean not on your own understanding, you see, then he will guide you. Okay? But this proverb here is telling us the Lord does direct our steps. So don't try to figure everything out. We, 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 are, a, 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 we are a people that we just want to figure everything out, don't we? We don't want to enjoy the journey. We just want to try to figure everything out, don't we? Why is this happening? Well, why is this happening? No, just accept the fact that everything's right on track. Everything is right on track. Okay, so and there's a problem with air, folks, and air is just lies that we hear spoken from the pulpits. And Paul talked about this, and uh, so did the writer of Hebrews. In uh, chapter 5, verse 12, Hebrews says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. You see, so remember, when you're asking the Lord to direct you and you're trying to live the Christian life, the writer of Hebrews says, you're like babies who need milk. Let's come on over to faith, meaning belief, that we are being led. We are being taught. We are being directed. Yeah, I like, uh, you know, Romans 8.14. tells us those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. So if you're a child of God, folks, you are led by the Holy Spirit all the time. It's not something you have to ask the Holy Spirit to do. It's another neat thing about the Holy Spirit is he leads us. The Spirit of God leads us all the time, you see. So what is the will of God? It's not a to-do-do. Not at all. It's not a to-do list. It's not a to-do-do. It's a trust. You know, we look at Jesus' example. He did the will of the Father, didn't he? You know, Philip came up to him and said one day, he says, Jesus, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. And what did Jesus say? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you don't believe that, believe in the evidence of the miracles himself. I didn't do these miracles, but it was the Father living through me that did them. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus wanted to, you know, wanted another way. Perhaps, maybe, Father, there's another way to accomplish this uh, reconciliation and uh, redemption for mankind other than going through what I'm going to have to go through. Perhaps there might be. Nevertheless, not my will. Thy will be done. And so the Father takes the Son through that circumstance and that situation, and that negative day becomes a positive in the shape of a cross. You see that? It's not a negative. God needed the cross for the crown. So we need to start seeing things as God sees them. Remember, grace is really easy to understand. It's a response on our behalf of his initiating. See, law says you need to initiate something in order for God to respond. And if you get that, that's the simplicity of God's grace. Jesus said this, 
in John 10.30, he said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He also said in John 14.20 now, On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So Jesus, as our example, he was our example. We live, as he lived dependent on the Father, we too now live dependent on Christ. And so he gave us the example of how to live dependent on him now under grace through the way he lived dependent on the Father. Folks, that's how you live the Christian life. We don't. Remember, the Christian life is not hard to live. It's impossible to live. God's will is not always comfortable. How do we know this? Well, there were Jesus and the Apostle Paul both were participating with the will of God. We look in Matthew 8.20 and we see there that Jesus said he didn't even have a place to rest his head. In other words, he was homeless. You know, he didn't have a job at this time. He wasn't making money. He had no place to, you know, go at night and rest. Look what Paul said in his first letter to the Corinthians. He says, we go hungry and thirsty. We don't even have enough clothes to keep us warm at night. And we're often beaten on top of it. Beaten. We have no home. 1 Corinthians 4.11. Look at that. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He has no clothes to keep himself warm at night when in the wintertime. He's beaten. People are beating him up. And he has no home. So it's not always comfortable. Remember, if you say yes to Christ, it's a hard right to maturity. It's not a left turn to comfort. What did you think the Christian life would be like? What did you think living in this world would be like? Did you think it would be comfortable all the time? It's not. If you signed up with Christ and you've decided to trust him all the way, it's a hard right to maturity. Okay, remember the Satan's always going to have that comfortable road to take. And usually that looks like, you know, I'm done with this maturity thing. I'm going to quit. I want the comfort road for a while. Okay, that's old behavior. That's what we did before Christ is we quit. A lot of times we quit and we just say, heck with this. I'm done. It's too hard. Wouldn't we? My wife and I both can relate to that because we were quitters. But now as we're in Christ, we're trusting him. He wants to take us through things. Remember, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, capital W-O-R-D. And that Word is Christ. And He cuts through problems for us as we trust Him. Emotions like pain, worry, heartbreak, and fear. Do you know these are normal, genuine aspects of being a human being? We all experience them, don't we? You know, what do we do in times like that when we have heartbreak and worry and pain? What do we do? Well, James 5.14 tells us if you're, if you're sick, call on the spiritual leaders of the church and they will pray over you. You see, spiritual leaders are anybody really in Christ that understands grace. You see? 
remember, the prosperity gospel, I don't want to get into judgment here, but I do want to talk a little bit about the will of God and, and, and the fact that it's not a to-do. It's not a to-do list. It's not a do-do. Okay, the prosperity gospel movement says, now look, financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for you. And that faith, positive speech, and donations to religious causes will increase your material wealth. Is that true? Of course not. The prosperity gospel also says if you don't have health and wealth, it's because you're not donating to religious causes. That was spoken exactly from, that was spoken by Jim Baker. Really? Health and wealth? We, we, we heard Jesus' testimony. He didn't have a place to even lay his head. Paul was clothed and didn't have enough clothes to keep him warm. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he had no place, he had no home. So they were both in the will of God. They were participating with the will of God. See, so that, that's error. The prosperity movement says the will of God is financial blessing and physical well-being. We live in a fallen world. Genesis 3 tells us there was a curse on the land. There's sickness, there's disease. Prosperity Gospel also says poverty, sickness, and unhappiness is a lack of faith. Really? That's wrong. See, tell that to the families that have lost, uh, you know, that, that have lost someone to cancer or COVID. And tell them the will of God was physical wellness. And see what kind of a response you get. Yeah, tell the homeless man that it's God's will for them to have material wealth. And he'll tell you to get lost. You know, can you imagine going to Jesus? He had no place to rest his head. The Apostle Paul said he had no home. Yeah, go to, go to Jesus and go to the Apostle Paul. And tell them that the will of God is material wealth. You tell them that. And, you, and watch the response you get. So this, this will, the will of God, remember, is not always comfort. It's a right turn to maturity. So if you're on board with Christ, hang on and go forward with him. Let's participate with him and enjoy his peace in the moment today. God bless.